This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Listen, churches have all different kinds of music, and one of them is not better than another. You know, just like there's different styles of music that different people like. And I don't really care if we were singing I Surrender All, an old, old hymn tonight, or a brand new song like Son Son of Suffering. We are trying to honor the King, and we're not going to judge people who sing different songs than us, and we're not going to criticize them. People who stand in a pulpit and preach against somebody else who's trying to serve God, they need to realize quickly that, that heaven is fast approaching and hell is real. And so sin needs to be dealt with. But the fighting among the body, just because I don't like, I mean, I know some people that, I mean, I can't believe it, but some people, they, they put fruit and stuff that has no business having fruit in it. That doesn't mean that my recipe is better than their recipe. Well, maybe it is, but come on now, amen. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, who puts raisin in oatmeal cookies? I mean, come on now, amen. I mean, watch out now. I'm preaching truth. And, I mean, just put, put, put some chocolate in there with that. That'd be good. You know, somebody said, would that make it chocolate chip oatmeal cookies? Yeah, just leave the raisins out. What I'm telling you is, let me just ask, how many like raisins in your... Okay, we're going to have an altar call for you in a minute, but uh, <laughs> how many of you don't, um, there's really a madness to, there's a, there's a point to my madness. How many of you don't like raisins in your cookies? All right. How many if there's a nut in there, it's going to kill you? A few of you, okay. <laughs> sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Come on, amen. All right. But my point is this, just because different people like different things doesn't mean that we have time to waste on telling somebody else how wrong or right we are and how wrong or right they are. There's too much sin in the camp of the living God for us to waste time on those kind of things. And I understand that I've been greatly preached against. I, I don't know. Uh, I shared just recently that, uh, you know, that a lot of people had come out against some of the, uh, of, of the things that have happened not only in our church but a couple of other churches that have really grown in this community. And they said that we don't preach on the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, the blood is the only way to wash yourself clean? We don't hide it. I mean, if you were here Sunday, you know I preached on the blood. All right? Uh, but uh, that doesn't change the fact that some people, what they're trying to do is they're trying to distract from where they are. So my hope for them is that they would let us love them, and that as the body of Christ, we might all grow more closer to Jesus. And you know what? I don't care what sin somebody has. They can come into this house, but they're going to hear the truth. And we're going to minister to them in love, and God's going to set them free. Somebody said, well, if, what if they don't get free the first Sunday? I preached to one guy for 10 years. He's sitting in the balcony right now. Lots of great sermons before he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And somebody walked up to him and said, hey, you want to run a snow machine? And he just cried like a baby and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Mark. All those good sermons. The reality was, God called him in his time. 
And so if maybe we worship a little differently than you're accustomed to tonight, there's no criticism for you. Don't criticize others who, you know, I can't dance like Mike. Wish I could. It, there would be nothing worshipful about me trying to dance. <laughs> but you just do what you can do. And we're going to trust God to do what he can do. Father, tonight as I prepare to bring the word, I pray that you will open our hearts. And Lord, let us not criticize others and look for what others need to get from this, but show us what we need to get. Speak to our hearts tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Uh, I feel that I need to bring you this message tonight. It's out of Ecclesiastes chapter number two. It's called Under the Sun, Under the Sun, Ecclesiastes chapter number two, and we're going to begin in verse number 10. Now, I want to know if this maybe sounds like some of your lives, some of our lives, Ecclesiastes 10, or 2 and 10, 2 and 10, excuse me, says this. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, Everything was, what's the word there? Meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Notice this. Nothing was gained under the sun. So tonight as we gather together, maybe you're at a point uh, tonight or, or uh, and I want you to begin to think about this, this phrase as, as we say to each other, you know, that what's the condition of your life? And a lot of times when you ask somebody what the condition of their life is, uh, we, we'll just smile at people and we'll, we'll, we'll just say, well, everything's, everything's fine. But even though we smile and say everything's fine, the reality is sometimes we're not dealing with everything being fine. We're kind of stuck in this mode of, is this ever going to get any better? Is this ever going to change? Is there ever going to be improvement? And we might even feel like, well, everything I'm trying to do is meaningless. I mean, I, I don't mean to make fun of this when I say this because it's, it's a reality that I've dealt with, but when you're dealing with a struggle and, and say you're trying to lose some weight and I mean, you do without and you, you punish yourself and, and you don't eat and, and, and you go get on the scale and, and the scale hasn't moved. I mean, I mean, come on. You gave it 24 hours. We ought to have some progress here. 24 hours. Here's what I say to people. You didn't build that in 24 hours. It might take you a little while to get rid of it. But the thing is, we feel like our, we're not getting the momentum in our life that we want. And maybe we're even in a program and we're not, we think we're not getting the traction that we think we need to be getting right now. And we're like, I'm wasting my time. And I think that most often that's one of the tools of the enemy. The enemy wants to, make, wants to make you think that you're wasting your time because if you're wasting your time, you'll give up on the progress you've made. If he can get you to questioning the value of what you're investing, then he can get you to back up. Am I making sense to anybody? He'll get you to back up, and as he gets you to back up, 
there's a problem. And it seems like everything is meaningless. But I want to ask you this question tonight is, uh, have you ever had something that, that, that you were kind of expecting, you were, you were building yourself up for, and this is going to be awesome. And I talked about this a little bit Sunday and you were all excited about it and you raised the, the standard real, real high. Let's just say you're going to get back on that scale and, and you've got this goal. And when you get back on that scale, uh, it, it's not, it doesn't turn out like you thought it would be. I mean, you find yourself picking up the scale, knocking it because you think it must be broken. Come on now. You get to where you thought you would get. You buy that object you thought that would make you happy. You acquire that relationship that you thought you had to be a part of. You have all of these things in your life that you think you have to be a part of, and because of that, you set this standard, but then when you get where you're going, it just doesn't make you happy. It doesn't feel like it really adds any true value into your life. And I want to talk to you tonight. You see, I think people go through life giving themselves everything their eyes desire. We think, well, that'll make me satisfied. That'll make me happy. We've tried a lot of things. We've, we've tried possessions or we've tried entertainment or we've tried vacations. And, and when you get to the end of all of that, the vacation comes with a big credit card bill a month later. Come on now. And you thought you were going to make yourself happy. You thought a trip away might solve the problems of your marriage. You thought that if you could just recalibrate for a few days that maybe everything would change. And the reality is you're expecting a problem that took you seven years to build to suddenly be fixed in seven days. See, there's a method to my madness. I'm taking you somewhere. I want you to understand that God wants to do something amazing in your life. But you find yourself, because you've not made the progress that you think you need to make, you find yourself hating life because life's just not all that. Now Solomon, who wrote this passage, had everything a person could ever possibly want. He was the richest person in history. He was the wisest person in history. And he says, listen to what he said. He said, I gave myself everything anybody would ever want. I had everything I want. I had everything you would want. I had it all. If I saw it, I bought it. I thought about watching, uh, and I, this is not in my sermon, but this jumped in my heart. I watched a documentary on the life of Michael Jackson. And how then Michael Jackson ended up in the trouble that he ended up here with the, with literally hundreds of millions of dollars coming in and why he ended up bankrupt was because he would go through an airport and he would buy almost everything that he saw in the airport. He would stop at an antique shop and buy almost the whole shop. He would go in and find some object that he thought if he got that in his house, I'm preaching to somebody, if I could just get that, then my life would be complete. And then he had so much stuff you couldn't even move around certain rooms in his house. Because he constantly was trying to bring something into his life. I'm, try, I'm trying to stay on track. But you can't tell me that wouldn't preach about what you've been trying to bring into your life that you thought would satisfy you that left you more empty than you started. And Solomon says, I tried it all. But when I surveyed it all, when I looked at it all, it, it, it still is. And the key word I want you to see, he says it's meaningless. It wasn't worth what I spent into it. 
It wasn't worth the pursuit. I gave it. And then he even says this, and it gives us a clue why things become meaningless. He said this, because everything that I was doing was under the sun. Now, why is that important? Here's the thing that I want you to hear today. I think that most of us get through life trying to become satisfied, trying to become happy, and trying to have it all, and it's not there because all we're focused on is stuff that is under the sun. All we're looking for to satisfy the longing of our... I feel a preach inside of me and I'm trying to behave tonight because I want to give you the depth of this word. But you can't satisfy the longing of your soul. You see, your soul was not created to be satisfied with a fruit in a garden. Your soul was to be satisfied when God came for fellowship in the garden. And when you're looking at what's under the sun to satisfy you, you find your life is ultimately meaningless. Am I making sense to anybody tonight? Now, if you're wondering if you're one of those people who maybe feels that way, listen to what he even said. He said, it became oppressive to me chasing after the wind. He said, I couldn't carry it anymore, basically. It was a burden. I just wanted... Just sit down and give up. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? I feel like I'm on an island screaming at, at the waves. But if you're wondering, if you're one of those people, here's some things that you may have said, and I've got to tell you, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I've said some of these things. I've said most of these things. Maybe you've said the phrase, I'm frustrated. I'm just frustrated. In fact, you come home from work and you're frustrated. And it probably comes out most of the time, frustration manifests in anger. In fact, maybe you have even said to yourself, I don't even know why I'm so angry. I don't know why I'm going through this. I just find myself angry. I'm mad because I'm frustrated. Does anybody get this? Solomon felt that way, and he said in Ecclesiastes 1 and 2, he said, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. What he's really saying is, I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated, nothing can make me unfrustrated. I don't, why am I spinning my wheels? Because he was so focused on giving himself every pleasure under the sun, and Here's a man who had literally way too many people in his life because he thought he had to marry about 900 of them. Come on now. At one time. He had all these people in his life, all these wives and concubines, and he was giving himself looking for somebody to complete him. But the problem was he was looking for somebody to complete him under the sun. And some of you are saying, God, if I could just get in the right relationship, it would make me feel satisfied. But God sent me with a word tonight to tell you, if you're looking under the sun for something to make the relationship to make you be satisfied, what you need to do is lift up your eyes to the sun who is the king of glory and realize that he's the only one who can heal your soul. Amen. You spend your life working, but what do you really have to show for it? My grandfather 
would tell me many times that I would talk about different goals in life. He would tell me, and I don't remember the man's name. My, my, my brother and my dad would remember the man's name, but there was a very wealthy man in his life. And he would tell me this story over and over again. He said that this wealthy man had, had not pursued all these things, but that literally, uh, that he called him in and he was so, so frugal, not wanting to not have enough money that, that he, he basically would eat, uh, uh just, uh, uh, the, the bare necessities, the cold, uh, food and whatever he could scrounge up from somewhere. And, and he would never uh, allow himself any comfort at all. And the reason for that was he was afraid that he wouldn't have enough and that, that, that he somehow end up poor like he'd experienced through the depression era. And he would say to me that on that man's deathbed, he, he, he looked at him and he said, listen, don't live your life that way. Don't live your life in such fear that you deny yourself the basic necessities. But I've come to tell you, don't live your life that way, but also don't live your life to where you think something of this earth is going to satisfy you. I don't care. Paul said, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But here's the thing you need to understand. You need to understand that if you can just find the peace of God, that God will strengthen you in such a way that you realize, though I have much, I find I'm walking in peace. Though I have little, I'm walking in peace. The devil doesn't yank my chain anymore telling me he's in control because when I bowed my knee to a king of glory I put my fate in his future and in his hands and he controls who I am can anybody testify that we serve a good God who we can trust with our tomorrow man here's another phrase that I got to repent over I'm afraid to say this because my wife's going to remind me of this sermon but maybe you're frustrated or maybe you're feeling like things are meaningless because all you ever say is, I'm tired. <laughs> Thank you for not saying amen, but I wish you could see the look on her face. <laughs> I'm just tired. By the way, have you noticed that when you go around asking people, I mean, how's it going? What's going on? The response most of you get, most of them give you nowadays is not, I'm fine. Most of them say, man, I'm just tired. There's a lot going on. We're busy. We've got a lot of things happening. I'm just tired. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Business Week actually did a study. And in that study, they did a survey, and they found out that the number one response to the question of how are you doing, the number one response is, I'm tired. Can you imagine that? I'm tired. So they have declared us the generation of fatigue. Some of you feel validated. That's not the point. <laughs> they found that we are overworked, we are frustrated, and we're tired. Everybody's just tired. It's almost like it's cool now just to say, man, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. <laughs> just tired. You know, just tired. And maybe you find yourself at this point in your life saying, I'm tired. Listen to what Solomon said. Ecclesiastes 1.5. The sun rises and the sun sets and then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then it turns north and around and around it goes blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the, sun is, the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out to the sea again. Everything is wearisome beyond description. 
Everything's just tired. And maybe that's you today. Let me put that, though, in 2022 language. I hope I'm speaking to somebody tonight. You see, you go to work on Monday. You work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You mow the grass on Saturday. You go to church on Sunday. You go to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You mow the grass on Saturday. You go to church on Sunday. Then you go to work on Monday, Tuesday. Am I making my point? And it becomes a routine. Solomon was noticing that he it was just an over and over cycle that repeated itself. Some of you are going, Pastor, you're not giving us any hope. I'm, i I got to get you there. And he just said it. I'm tired. Everything's tiring. It's wearisome. Or how about this phrase? I'm just not fulfilled. I'm unfulfilled. So what I thought was going to fulfill me is not fulfilling. And look at verse number 8 of Ecclesiastes 1. We'll go into the start of 9. It says, no matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. We just do it over and over again. You get out of debt, and suddenly you get back into debt. You end up in a cycle. I'm preaching truth. I'm about to give you the revelation of how to get out of this. See, I want to give you some hope today. If you feel trapped, if you feel stuck, if you feel like you're in a cycle that Solomon puts himself in, and you thought that, that the job or the kids or the possessions or the trips or the vacations or all those things might satisfy, and it didn't, and you're trying to find a way out, I'm going to give you one thought that you need. And this thought comes from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm not going to read it to you yet, but I want you to understand this person is literally the opposite, the polar opposite of Solomon. He is in a different extreme. Solomon has everything. In fact, this person's life didn't work out very well. It could have been different, but he makes some terrible mistakes, and then he makes a wonderful choice, and he gives his life to God, but... But listen to what happens to Apostle Paul. He gets beaten. He's imprisoned. He's whipped. In fact, he receives 39 lashes, the exact number that Jesus received that nearly killed Jesus. Paul gets it five times. He was in prison. He shipwrecked. The Bible says he spent a day and a night floating in the water just floating around the Mediterranean, bobbing up and down like a cork out there. Come on now. And guess what? He finally climbs to safety. He thinks I'm freezing. They start a fire. He's gathering firewood, and he gets bit by a snake. Does anybody else feel a little bit like Paul? Be honest with me. He... It seems like it never works out with him. He ends up stoned. They drag him out of the city for thinking he's dead. Stoned with rocks, let me be clear. I don't know who needed that. It just, 
Some of you are <laughs> stone with rocks. Y'all are. I just felt the whole room, the air went out. The pastor say Paul got stoned with rocks. Sorry. And this is what he says. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say to you. This is becoming my goal. In 2 Corinthians 4.1, he says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. I keep going. Even when it feels like they're singing the same songs and I've heard the pastor's sermon before, I keep worshiping. Even when I feel like I've been down this battle before, I keep fighting. I keep pressing on because what waits ahead of me is so much better. I mean, wouldn't you love to know the secret behind a statement that says, I, ne- I, don't, I just don't lose heart? A guy who experienced such a rough life? Well, this is what he said in verse 16 of this chapter, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. In other words, I found something that gives me meaning. I found something that gives me purpose. I have a relationship that I, that's healing me. It's not sucking the life out of me, but it's, it's making me new. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Come on now, amen. And God's good. He's faithful. Oh. Sitting here looking at this and realizing I'm trying to weigh the time and oh let me just preach. I want you to hear this. Paul was teaching us here a great spiritual truth. The secret to solving your problems isn't to solve your problems. The secret to solving your problems is to have something in your life bigger than your problems. You need to get that. If I just want to get back to where I used to be, I'm tired of people wanting to go back to that good old time religion. Where I'm not wanting to go backwards. I want to go forward for Jesus. I just, I just want this back. No, I want it better than it was. I want God to restore what the enemy took from me many times over. I want God to bless and make it better. Some of you go, Pastor Don, are you talking about wealth? No, I'm talking about if the devil tried to rob your marriage, get a hold of God and let God give you more fulfillment in your marriage than you could ever imagine. If the devil tried to take your praise, let God put a Put a praise down inside of you that others cannot stop. If the devil tried to take your mind, I tell you that you have not been given the spirit of fear and an unsound mind, but you have a resolve that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm quoting the power of God's word into your life. You have something better, amen. I feel it. 
Thomas Devon's going to behave tonight. What he's saying is, I just, I have as much trouble as any of you, but here's the difference. Can I get anybody to testify to this? I have something in my life that outweighs it all. It's bigger. It's bigger. And here's my theory uh, and that I really believe. This is, I think, if people really wanted to solve their problems, they need to stop trying. And instead of trying to fix everything and all, all the time and trying to solve everything all the time, you need something in your life that is bigger than your problems, that actually serves as the distraction from it. Here's what he says. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What you need is something that's not going to go away. It's not going to rust. It's not going to fade. It can't get diseased. The eternal kingdom of a heavenly father. Though heaven and earth pass away, the word even of the Lord will last forever. What you need is to fix your eyes on something that's bigger than you. Amen. Well, I wish somebody would give him a praise tonight. What he deserves. See, your problem is you're looking at everything under the sun. But instead of living with our eyes completely focused on everything that is on earth, that is just under the sun, what would it be like if we live with everything in our focus being eternal? This is so important. You see, I'll tell you what the difference would be. Are you ready for this? It's simple. You ready for this, Pastor Darren? You ready for this? It would outweigh every problem you face. If you get your eyes fixed on Jesus, it is better. He is better than anything you've been facing. But I just don't know about that. No, no. Look to Jesus. But I'm struggling. No, look to Jesus. Pastor, I don't know how. Well, good. I got a little more sermon left and I got about eight minutes. Here's what will help you. Number one, pray. Prayer is one of the greatest ways for us to be more eternally minded than temporary minded if you pray the right way, and the Bible will teach you how to pray. If you don't know what to pray, open the Scripture and begin to pray through the Psalms. Begin to pray those things. Lord, I will not fear, though the enemy comes against me. Lord, when even when the wicked seem to be prospering, I will not become overwhelmed. Whatever it is, you start praying it. You see, prayer is a process where heaven becomes your reality. It's where you change the reality in which you live. Somebody goes, Pastor Don, do you really believe? I'm telling you, prayer can do what you can't. Somebody goes, I just don't know if I believe that. It's because you've not lived it yet. I'll never forget. As a young man... And my world was shaken. I found an altar right over there in that building, but it was that corner of the stage. I knelt down and I said, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't know how to fix this. And the exact moment that I was on my knees praying, and it, what it was, was uh, we were trying to buy our first home. And I mean, you know, that can be a real test on a marriage. Come on now. And, and, and we were trying to buy our first home. We were just serving as like, basically on almost a missionary's type salary here. And we were trying to do this. And, and they had the last moment, like with like a day or two left, they said, you're probably just going to have to sell that house because we built it because we're not going to give you the loan because you, you got to pay this off. And I immediately ran to this altar and began to intercede before the face of God. 
I had no way to humanly fix it. And while I was on my knees, Christina was in coming Georgia. Somebody walked up and handed her an envelope and said, God told me to go to the bank. And it was the exact amount we needed. I didn't ask them. I didn't go request something of somebody. It was God who answered the prayer. You see, God doesn't want you to go be a beggar. God wants you to talk to him about your problems and let you show, let him show you that you're not a beggar. You're a king's kid that he'll provide for in supernatural ways. Can you give God a praise for that? See, prayer is not really about informing God about all the conditions of earth. God knows what's going on. But prayer is where we're able to dump everything that's distracting us, cast our cares on him, for he cares for us, and we can come out with a new attitude. Secondly, serve. Serve. Did you know that serving is one of the greatest ways that you can be eternally minded? If you, listen to me, if you've been born again and you're not growing, it's because you're not engaged in serving God as a part of the body of Christ, helping others grow in God. We have an elder of this church who grew more in six months than most people grow in 10 years because he went to work in the children's ministry and he had to learn the stories he had never learned so he could teach them to the kids. Serving will change who you are. Because what's happening when you're serving, your life's not just about paying bills. It's not just about the grind. It's about you making a significant contribution into the lives of others. I'll never forget I was praying one day in a little church in Cumming, Georgia, and I was just pouring my heart out, and God told me, he said, you be quiet and get up and go pray for somebody else. When I got up and prayed for them, God moved for me. Three, give. Giving is truly one of the greatest ways that you can keep your sights and your eyes set on the eternal instead of the temporary. Isn't it true that most of us just use our stuff, our everyday stuff for everyday things, and we stick it in a closet. But God really wants us to use our stuff to make an eternal difference. There's greater things than having all the stuff. Why don't we let him take our stuff and let's lay up treasures in heavenly places? Number four, share Christ. Share Christ. I just want you to understand that if you really believe in heaven and hell, that's what I'm about to say. If you really believe in heaven and hell, I think that we're going to have to step up our game and start playing to win and start telling our lost loved ones and the people around us, the people we encounter, that God puts in our path. Jesus is real. He died for you. He loves you. He will not reject you. See, the enemy blows my mind. He'll tell them they don't need God until they find God, and then he'll spend the rest of his time telling them they don't really know God and that they're going to get He'll tell them there's no hell. They find Jesus, he'll tell them they're going to hell. The enemy, the Bible says his native language is lying. If he's talking to you, he's lying. I give you this in conclusion, Ecclesiastes 2, 24, 25 says this. A person can do nothing better than eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see is from the hand of God, for without him 
who can eat and find enjoyment anyways. See what he says is, look, God's not telling you not to live. But he's just trying to say, invite him into your life and it'll be better than you could have ever imagined. Would you stand with me today? A little different message than I maybe preached to you on Sunday, but it's the word. And the word washes us clean. And if you've been going through the motions, I'm frustrated, tired, I'm unfulfilled. I want you to hear this message. Stop focusing on everything under the sun and find a way to look at the sun of the most high God. I think I'm supposed to pray now. I just feel like I've given you everything I'm supposed to give you tonight. You say, Pastor, in this point, you should give us an altar call? No. Because this is for all of us. Everybody in this room needs this message. Living God, I turn my heart and my hands toward heaven. And for as many would join with me, Lord, I pray that tonight you will help us to stop being so focused on what's under the sun and become more focused on what is eternal. That we'd start being more, more careful about the decisions we make and the, the words we speak. For your word says we'll give account for every word, every thought even. And Lord, we want to entrust those things to you so that we can honor you with our hearts, with our soul, with all our might. For the Lord our God hear me people of God the Lord our God is one God and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and these words which I pray over you today you shall keep them in your heart you shall teach them diligently unto your children you shall talk to them when they lie down when they rise up when you walk us by the way you shall bind them as signs upon your hands and they shall be as frontless between your eyes and you shall write them on the post of thy house and all thy gates. It's the Shema that I quoted from the ancient text of the Lord, the command of God that we all might learn. God, let us learn this. Let us live this. That you would always be before us. In Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. Go with God. word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.